Welcome back to an all-new installment of Super Metal Brothers here on the old podcast. I am Super Metal Brother Matt. And I'm Super Metal Brother Dan. We're here to talk about the latest news. We're getting a fan reaction to this week's post question to them. And also going to review the latest album from Periphery entitled Select Difficulty. But what we want to do firstly is go back to uh, last week, the time it was. Danny, you got a lot to talk about with it. I was. I was a complete seven days younger and... Had a whole different view on life. And then that was all changed when it came to Saturday, man. And we went to the uh, New Dead Fest in Adelaide, which was a great day. Uh, sponsored by a lot of great people. And we got to catch up with some people in the state. It was a really nice day. Yeah, it was a nice day. Uh, the best highlights for it. Funny enough, we got there just in time to see Headboard. And the crowd went off, didn't it? It was like really intense. Uh, the crowd was bopping. It got big numbers for it. And then they sticked around to see Witch Grinder as well. Again, they're on top form. Yeah, no, definitely right. Really good um, quality Australian bands good at variants in their songs and it was good to see and the crowd really got to it and people coming to LA to expect I would say people came from Perth from Sydney and all not, not just the music music but even the fans themselves so it's good to see everybody there and getting along and I think it was a great day yeah it was you know I uh, I forgot to bring the Super Metal Brothers uh, tickets but um, yeah you know next time we'll, we'll bring them and uh, you fans can enjoy us all three of you we'll enjoy our, our, what we offer you yeah no, can't wait for one of our fans to buy us a beer one day <laughs> All right, guys, let's take it off from the news this week. And what we're going to talk about is, first up, merchandise. Now, this is really clever. We reviewed these guys last week, Daniel, called Sabaton. Sabaton. And uh, <laughs> what they've done is actually release merchandise. And for merch, they've released earplugs that you can wear to gigs specifically, don't you? That's clever marketing, really. I mean, like, while you're there, you, I need earplugs, and they can charge what they want at gigs because, you know, you have the earplugs, you go to death. So this, it's brilliant marketing by them. Well, what's really funny about it, which I think, is that I looked at them, and they look exactly like the ones that you use for the airplane flights, mm. but only three times the cost. So to be fair, they come in black. So, you know, that's, uh, that's something. Yeah, I guess so. I... It's a good marketing tool for the sense that you can go to a show and get the best Sabaton experience through your ears, as well as, I guess, the visual Viking experience that you would imagine. But, uh, whoa, when it's $8 euros, which you're looking at, what, 14 plus the shipping, mm. 20 buck earplugs, you'd imagine. Whoa, you want to enjoy music after that. Yeah, maybe they, like... Um, enhance the feel of the whole choir sound to it so like it, like it doubles the choir sounds so it makes it more epic when you listen with those earplugs <laughs> well hilariously a lot of people won't even get to enjoy Sabaton if you live in Australia and particularly Adelaide we're known for bands uh, you know hop skipping a jump to the next location but uh, they just hop right over us normally that's why they use those Sabaton airplane earplugs to fly over Adelaide no, yeah. now I'm sad. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can obviously use it for other reasons, but uh, we're going to move on to some other band that we've uh, talked about in the past before, but this has been some great enlightening news for us. Richie Blackmore has come out about Deep Purple. Now, you obviously know Richie Blackmore's in Deep Purple, Danny. I do know Richie Blackmore, and I do know Deep Purple. Yes. But did you know that uh, he's got a few opinions about Deep Purple and suggesting that they've milked the uh, the cash cow a little bit too much? Yeah, like reading the article and his uh, thoughts and feelings, he's saying that Deep Purple should really take a five-year hiatus, and I think timing works well for him. I mean, like, it's at the same time that he's saying Deep Purple should stop, it's the same time he's staying a tour again playing Deep Purple songs. Oh, I was going to say that, yeah. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, oh, well, you know, if you could just rest on playing all the Deep Purple songs, and then I can play him now, that would be amazing. Yeah, because we saw him as, like, Rainbow, but there was, like, 60% Deep Purple songs. I'm like, no, that's not Rainbow, that's that's, that's Deep Purple. There's, that's only one colour of the Rainbow, that's the purple part of the Rainbow. Well, a bit of uh, inside knowledge, he actually said that the band, he admitted that some of the band members actually don't like being at home. That's why they're being on the road, plus their agent just working to death. Mm. Is it time that maybe they just let the songs breathe and the albums breathe a bit and make us want to miss Smoke on the Water? It's coming to a point where 
if they do take a break, you don't see him coming back though. I think that's probably they're now in the seventies. Like you take a five year break, that that's it. Those guys would just, I guess, get older, of course. But you know, you, you get fatigued. You're not really um, uh, gig ready, tour ready. So I, I don't think that'd be it. I mean, it, that'd be it. it would be a shame because instead of going out and bang, which they would have when they were playing at Entertainment Center not too long ago, uh, when they came back, they played in front of Thebby with White Snake in front of like our grandmother and uh, the Heater. Yeah, I was there as well. Yeah. Oh, and Danny. So there was three people there. So it'd be coming out in a whimper, but maybe they can get the acknowledgement from some of these bigger um, you know, award ceremonies and get that you know, put up. Yeah, sure. I mean, they got inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this year. So I look, I know they don't care about it, but look, at least they got finally got inducted. So yeah, um, I mean, what else they really to do? They haven't really made great albums for like since uh, late nineties. Yeah. They could appear on another album, maybe do some guests, which we'll talk about in a Ooh. sec. Dream Theater have the help from Hellstrom frontwoman Lizzie Hale. They've actually done a reimagination of an old song that they did off of the Astonishing album which released further this year now I want to get past the fans make sure if you want us to review the album let us know it's a little bit in the past but we're happy to do it from this year mm-hmm. but let's talk about this song Danny Lizzie Hale is just done like a duo kind of thing with uh, the lead singer from Dream Theatre being our favourite favourite Labrie Labrie James Labrie yeah. yep James Labrie what did you think of the song I thought the song was actually kind of sound like a Volbeat song when it started. I was like, wow, did I review this song like two weeks ago? It sounds like a Howlstrom song. Yeah, it was yeah, literally so, like, you know, uh, who, okay. you, we ripped this song off Howlstrom. You know who would sound great off of it? Maybe the Howlstrom singer. Yeah, it's always a shame when your guessing is better than your normal singer as well. So, oh. <laughs> a bit of controversy there. <laughs> it's a shame, but it is true. It's, um, we, I mean, like our fans are now, my feelings on a Labrie's style of singing and uh, <coughs> Russell Allen mm-hmm. uh, being a far stronger in every way, even the looks but um, we're not here to talk about Matthew's gay tendencies we're here to talk about uh, the track so yeah it's a good track like let's not be wrong I mean for Dream Theater they do like to stretch their wings out with rock songs to metal songs to pop to U2 ripoffs and this is really like the house from ripoff and it's good to pay homage by getting the singer in yeah Uh, why not you know We'll move it on to uh, some hilarious news now on the council, basically in Dark Thrones home territory now. Norway. Norway. Yeah, some area of Norway. That's right. So Fenris from Dark Throne was elected in his town council. Now, hilariously, he tried to sabotage his own um, campaign. I can actually use that. He's like, sabotage! (laughs) I can actually use it. (laughs) That's a bit annoying. (laughs) But what we found out is that, um, and this is going to love all the ladies out there, to only sabotage himself with the flies, actually had his cat and a, and a uh, sign around him saying, please don't vote for me. Yeah. Now, the drummer, obviously, from Dark Throne, his name uh, being Fenres, has actually got it. He's actually now managed to be on the channel and apparently he doesn't like it too much because it doesn't really pay much and you've got more responsibilities. Yeah, and it's a four-year gig he can't get out get out of, man, you know? Yeah. It's like a really bad like VD or something. It's a, yeah, like a bad marriage, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, apparently, um, caught, they asked him, like, oh, would you like to be like nominated as like a reserve type guy? And he thought it would be like, oh, yeah, 18th reserve. He won't, no one even knows who sees his face, but no. He didn't. He was like second up, second on, second on the mound type thing. And there, he's now there for four years. Could you imagine that? Like someone not wanting to be voted, and like all that society now has become so troll-like yeah, that they're now doing right. it as a joke. Well, you can't tell me what to do. Yeah, yeah. you're you not know? my mom, man. So, you're my dad. See, that's what Bernie Sanders should have done. And then Hillary Clinton wouldn't have voted. It's like, you know what? Right. Don't vote for me. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's like all those parents who say to their kids, "Oh, don't you smoke and don't you take drugs." What do you do? Yeah, so the parents like that whole mentality. Just do the opposite day. So you reckon that? 
when um, the parents go out to their favorite thing, they should just leave the coke on the table. And it's like, yeah, go for it, kids. There's a stripper in the corner. And, uh, yeah, do it, man. And there's a chainsaw. Don't, don't mind me. Go nuts, man. Start learning, learning how to juggle the chainsaw while sniffing coke. It's fun. <laughs> that could be as a work job. You could be fine. Uh, we're going to move it on to uh, Adam Dalkowitz from Killswitch Engage now. Uh, he's f- fully aware of the fans and the, I wouldn't say backlash, but they've made their voices known that some like the old singer Howard Jones, where others are delighted with Jesse Leach. Now, it's, he can't really do much about it. He's aware of it. And he's acknowledged the fans for being passionate about it. Danny, what was your feelings on it? They're both great singers and they both had their time, but uh, I'm happy that Jesse's back, to be fair. I thought he, I, I think he suits Killswitch better and I got into Killswitch with him as a vocalist. I guess a lot of people who got into Killswitch with uh, Howard there as the vocalist probably want him better because that's why they got involved. It's, it's kind of the same when you like watch Lockstock, Two Smoking Barrels and Snatch. Is that like whatever movie you saw first is the one yeah. you love the most, even though they're the same movie? Yeah, Guy Ritchie's still in it. And pretty funny nice. enough, Adam Volkowitz is still in it. So he's basically the Guy Ritchie of metal, yep. which is pretty funny. But what I found really funny was that um, there's no way... Like, you had the last Killswitch album, right, that Howard Jones did on it, and that pretty much sucked the chrome off a bumper, but not the good kind of way. Yeah. Like, how you want your girlfriend to do it. Aww. The bad kind of way is how... you. You know, a guy would do it. Hey, <laughs> you say like exhaust fumes to do or something. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't like cream anymore. But so what's more important is to note that the way that Killswitch is now, they never would have been with Howard Jones because they were going with a different metal angle with Howard, uh, Howard Jones, you could tell. You yeah. know, they had like a more harder, more gut-wrenching, punch-in-the-face kind of attitude until the last album, which was pretty uninspired. And then with uh, Jesse Leach now, they're happy again. They're writing metalcore in a way that's more engaging for, I guess, newer listeners and maybe the younger guys as well. Yeah, true. But the last album review of Killswitch came up this year. We weren't ultra impressed by that album either. So Yeah, mm. I don't know how you do this. I don't know how you manage to bake, put the great songs as additional tracks. Normally, that's the filler that uh, you know your record agency tell you. So if the record agency was telling him, oh, just add some filler tracks and they were the better ones, they need a new record label. Yeah. Right. <laughs> or new friends. I don't know. Get get a new mum or something. It's the only way of doing with it. Yeah, that's right. All those people who say, no, 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 you're fine, you're fine, you're fine. And then you guys are like, yeah, we'll just release these songs because we like them more than the rest and they tend to be the better. Yeah. You know who's doing really fine right now? Nah, man. Guns and Roses. Yeah. 12th largest economy in the world. 12th largest economy in the world. They're doing Jeez. better than countries at the moment. That's ridiculous, man. They should. I can't wait until they enter the Olympics next year. That one in three years' time. That'd be fun. Actually, yeah, when they do it, and they certainly will more golds than aren't we did. <laughs> that's right. Um, Unfortunately, the Olympics don't have like vodka drinking competitions or who's the biggest prima donna competitions oh, look so. I think this is like the Mighty Ducks story where basically all you need is one good album or one good champagne mm-hmm. and you can get a whole entire franchise of movies after it yeah you yeah. know I mean they're coming down to Adelaide and playing at our like Adelaide Oval which is 50,000 seat capacity really yeah and everyone's going to want to hear Symphony of Destruction off of anyway yeah and then they're going to go home or they won't they'll hear the other songs and be like I don't know you mean Avatar Destruction man. Oh, Avatar Destruction you sorry wish, I was thinking, you wish if I was going to Guns N' Roses I wish Megadeth were playing that's, that's right. exactly, exactly how right. I would be yeah. there so I'm not paying $200 for tickets that uh, wanting to hear another band play yeah I mean they came down was it was it five years ago or something and you played at Entertainment Center and I think you probably saw that out, but that's only like 15,000. So, yeah. look, if, they, if maybe because they're creating the hype and because he's been in ACDC, people are like, remember, oh, yeah, that's for Guns N' Roses. Oh, yeah. So, what I love about this more is that what they've done is managed to ongo a fight that have lasted years and put in the people's minds that this is a band that you'd want to see live again because they've always been in the news like they've been doing other bands, creating more controversy. Like Axel Rose has been Axel Rose up until very mm-hmm. recently when he gave a free ticket away to a victim who got a nasty letter. 
that's true. We'll talk about it more later. But, uh, you know, Slash has done well with his band and putting over bands um, that have been playing with him, you know, making sure he gets good musicians surrounding with him, working with Fergie, which uh, must have been a traumatizing experience. So maybe now he thinks Axl Rose is a good singer because of that. <laughs> oh, I think I think he started drinking after that. No. <laughs> he got off the sauce, he was drinking a vodka every day, but then he had to up his medication to do oh, bottles. terrible, yeah. <laughs> um, we're going to move on to something I'm really, really happy about. Normally, this isn't very funny talking about new releases coming up, but Hate at the moment. You'd know them very much from their Morphosis album and Erebox. They're actually in the studio right now. They've done the drums and they're going to keep on going with some guitars. There's lots of pitches and uh, this is more powerful for me than Viagra right now. Yeah, it's funny because I remember the first time you heard Hate and like the name didn't really, it's not a really good selling point because it's such a simple, boring name. Like these must be the corniest because around, man. Let's talk to, right now with our fans. We're going to do a new segment called Bands That We Never Listen To Because Of Their Name, right? Because right. it's so generic and you're like, okay, if you're going to have a, a name that generic and so uninspired, we're not going to listen to you because it takes, you know, dedication and, and a lot of heart and thing. Anyway, death. Right? Yeah, terrible. yeah, bad name. Bad good, name, good right? It's like, oh, wow, you're so heavy. Yeah. Uh, decapitated. Oh. Yeah. So what do you do? You open up the dictionary and go, oh, it's brutal. Oh, let's yeah. you know, go to the thesaurus now. Oh, there it is. Come on. Yeah. You know, hate, obviously, is right in there. Hate, got aborted. Tony Danza and the tap dancing chaffing again. Oh, Sansa. Yeah, that's right. I mean, come on, man. Like, so predictable. I mean, really? Yeah. Yep. You have Nevermore in there as well. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. I, they foreseen their own demise 20 years ago. That's right. I mean, like, Nevermore. That, that's just like every year 10, like, English student would have called their band Nevermore. It's not that creative, man. We're going to move on to Archery Frontman before I start crying on the air. And we don't really want that. Uh, Alex Vacatas has said that his clean vocals in metalcore have really become whiny and annoying. So he's basically taken a dig at every metalcore band out there that have just used that generic and that real irritating style of fake for falsetto. Like, we know mm. falsetto is fake, but what about that one that just gets under your nails, right, Danny? Uh, terrible. Yeah, I mean, like, we don't want to pretense anything, but our, the band we're reviewing later, Periphery, that... that could be said about those vocals, unfortunately. Yeah, this isn't just uh, caught in the metalcore um, band camp. This is actually a style of singing we've seen creep up in not only metal, but other genres. And every time I hear it, I'm like, go on X Factor. and Ugh. But then the problem is they go on X Factor and the judges are like, you guys are amazing because the judges aren't producers themselves. They're just writers who are just part of a bigger corporation or a bigger unit than really they are. To be fair, like I heard this guy's latest song, or this band's latest song, which I released in late 2015. And... Yeah, he actually does have a tone. He, he quotes, he likes like Jesse Lynch and Howard from like Kill Switch and Kill Devil Hill. What's Devil, Devil You Know Devil is Howard Jones. Jones. Yeah, that one. So you got those ones there. So And he does have that similar style. So I can't say uh, Pot Kettle Black. However, this is probably just giving a lot of fuel and ammunition to all those hardcore bands out there. Because now they, they yeah. can like, like Taylor Swift, whenever she breaks up with someone, she writes an album on that breakup. Yeah. Now all these like hardcore guys can write an album based on this guy. So, hey, man, you can't tell me how to sing, man. <laughs> he's become the new parents. It's, yeah, that's you know, right, yeah. Funny enough, he's actually put over not only Jesse Leach and Howard Jones, we just talked about and Ryan, saying that's the style that they should be aspiring to do. Now, that's well and good. They've got their own style. But um, what he's also admitted is that the label has a certain say when it comes to this kind of thing as well. So... What the real thing is, is not only make sure that you watch out for your singing, that it doesn't become a cliche of itself, but joining a label who's going to make you want to be a cliche of yourself. Mm, yeah. Well, stay strong, people out there, and you can get what you want. So, Daniel, who is your favorite live act over the last uh, year? Who comes to mind when you think of really good big budget uh, live stages? 
Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, like, I mean, I saw Iron Maiden. Iron Maiden always put a big show, and they've got I mean, they've got the main to back it up. Uh, Black Sabbath, when we saw it this year, didn't didn't do too much exciting. And uh, Grass Pop, I guess it's hard for them to be exciting. So look, to me, the best one I saw this year was probably Iron Maiden. Yeah, yeah well, uh, we'll have to kiss that dream away because the AIM Independent Music Awards have given not to Ramstein, not to Iron Maiden, but to Baby Metal as the best live Ooh, act. Ooh, interesting. Now, I can't uh, argue in the sense that because really their live setup is amazing. The production that goes into it, the lights, the actual stage setup is generally more bigger than Amy Stadium. You know, it's just an, uh, an amazing experience and more pyrotechnics to boot as well. And it doesn't have those like really lame, you know, plastic banners that they run through like cheerleaders. <laughs> it looks sparkles and steam. <laughs> actually, before, I saw, I saw Molly Crew this year as well and they were actually really cool. They had, um, I know the girls dancing, the fireworks and the glitter and Tommy Lee Jones had like a roller coaster drum kit which was pretty sweet. Went from one side of the um, venue to the other side of the venue above all our heads. So, yeah, yeah, so I don't know. Maybe maybe they'll be unfortunate as well. But look, I haven't seen much Baby Metal live, so... Look, I think at the end of the day, they are really that kind of band. They're a band that have been put over by big labels and they've gotten other bands to obviously know right for them but produce for them. Mm. So, you know, it's just a celebration for hopefully those musicians they're, to get their music They're pretty heard. much like a... a purposely built band to be like a stage band or yes. like a selling band or like a soundtrack yes. band pretty much so yeah. not a bad thing because if they give you good songs and people like them yeah. i guess that's more important but god i really wish some of that money would go into bands that uh, <laughs> we want to put over in this show yeah yeah more like fluidy bands rather than bands which kind of could pop up one year and next year they just integrate yeah. okay so let's finish it off with our last story for today kiss star Gene Simmons has basically come out. You'll know, obviously, as a celebrity of being notorious for saying incredibly dumb crap in his life. Yeah. But uh, this is probably right one that's a bit of a curveball. Kind of threw me off guard. He said that uh, celebrities should shut their pipe holes when it comes to politics, despite his obviously over inverteness or advertness with supporting Barack Obama. Uh, he believes that a democracy cannot work if the celebrities are always butting and giving their 20 cents in and persuading their audience to vote a certain way. Your thoughts, Danny? Yeah, I mean, that, that could be true, but if if you're that dumb, I'm going to just say dumb, that you believe a celebrity when it comes to, like, political opinions from, well, then you, you know, don't do that. Like, just read something. Just yeah. because I still love that, that clip with um uh, Dave Chappelle when he talks about how you know, when 9-11 occurred, they they went to, like, this rapper and goes, oh, was, was it was a Ja Rule's, like, um, what is Ja Rule's opinions and what's occurring? And Chappelle's like, I don't, I don't care what Ja Rule thinks about this event. I just want, if I want to dance, I'll care what Ja Rule has to say. <laughs> that's true. And that's the problem. We, we, we think, like, just because you're, like, a celebrity out there that you're an all knowing being but no they're just they're just normal day people who probably have less time to look at politics than you do so no just stop listen to him I think what he didn't realise is that he contradicted himself because you can't have a democracy when celebrities butt their heads in but the democracy is a share of ideas Yeah. so if, the, if those celebrities are right in what they say then who are we to say that we shouldn't listen to celebrities or they can get a voice? I think he's just uh, doesn't have one in this particular idea because maybe he just realizes that there isn't no sensible course of action maybe with for the current electorates. Yeah, I mean maybe yeah maybe uh, maybe he just wants to start controversy again because that's what he's all about. He just wants to get his name out there. Look, people haven't talked about me for like six months, man. It's me, Gene Simmons. Remember, I got the tongue thing. Yeah, ever since he came up with the thing to trademark orange juice and tried to take the devil horns away from Da. Yeah, that was that was hilarious. I'm glad that people don't listen to him as much anymore uh, so we're going to take it now right to our fan question that we polled on our Facebook wall that's a Super Metal Bros for anyone that um, wants to look us up facebook.com Super Metal Bros now the question we asked them is actually a pretty much a twofold question it starts with Dina Caceres and ends with Slipknot 
So let's talk about it. Fear Factory guitarist songwriter Dina Cazares has slammed musicians who complain about fans using their cell phones during a live show. Now he's basically, you know, to summarize what he said, that people who buy tickets for concerts can enjoy their performance. They pay for their money. They can see the concert however they like, either through their phone or by looking up and gazing at the marvelous that is Fear Factory. Mm. People, um, what we want to talk about now is Corey Taylor, because we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and we didn't make this a feature presentation. We thought, ah, oh, it's just a passing you know, thing. But Corey Taylor obviously said back in the day, you know, if he sees someone that uh, is not looking at the show, he is more than happy to slap the phone out of their hand away. You know, he's doing everything he can to make sure that the fans are engaged in what he's doing. Yeah, so rather try and engage fans more, he just thinks about cutting out the middleman and smacking the phone out of your hand. So yeah, it's, it's just it. basically yeah. like, no, you're here to see me, you pay to see me, and mm. I will make sure that you're seeing me. Yes, and yeah. actually, to, to even put more fuel to that fire, Dino actually came out and said, he's normally like the uh, vocalist who have that problem. Like the rest of us musicians don't really seem to be bothered by what the fans are like looking at or doing. So I think he, that's just like a double dig, man. He's like turning the knife, man. This needs, these, these two need to go, honestly get in the ring at WrestleMania because this is building up to be one hell of a payoff, you know, for all our fans out yeah, there. Yeah, you be careful. Dino, I think Dino could do a really good power slam or body slam. You'd be in trouble with Corey. Yeah. Oh, Especially look, with Corey's bad neck, man. You get power bombs. Shit, yeah, Dino's had a health problem. And Dino, well, look, Dino's probably, because of all this size, probably the hamburger problem would be his biggest issue. <laughs> That's right. Him making it through the WrestleMania entrance would be his problem. Yeah, but apart right. from that, he should be okay, right? Yeah. But you know, we were, we were confused because we don't know what to side with, so we actually threw it to our fans. Oh, why not? Because they're they're out there apparently. Yeah, actually, they actually came back, and we're really appreciative with the they've well, they've and come back. They came in numbers to be heard Ooh. about this. A lot of people had a lot of the things to say about it. Yep. But we're gonna basically paraphrase what they say and you know see if we can come up with our mind after this, Danny. Okay. Yeah. Good. Continue, Matthew. Okay. So there's a couple of people who basically kind of agree with each other. So you got you know, two camps. You know, obviously the ones who side with actually there's three camps the ones who side with Corey mm-hmm. the ones who signed with Dino sure. and the ones who are incredibly diplomatic and oh, des- I believe in both of them Switzerland yeah yeah sure yep. so let's take it off with this okay um, Brendan Davies and Daniel Cedarblad thought on a similar lines with Brendan Davies said you know don't hold your phone up the whole time and straight in front of other people to distract yeah, you know yeah. that kind of thing that's fair and um, Daniel said agreed to the same you know don't get into each other's way I suppose you know let's not take the away from the fans mm. let's make sure that the people who are behind you are seeing the show and I think yeah. that's a fair enough you know yeah what's worse when they bring their bloody iPads or whatever this and they're holding this iPad to record things you're like, come on man that's just rude can't you see how rude that is you know so that, yeah. that, 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 that's the extremities but still yeah fair point yeah because what's going to happen is eventually technology is going to expand so much that they're going to bring the equivalent of the Hoyt cinema screen in front of you <laughs> yeah, and right. you're going to have to enjoy it off YouTube three weeks later with all that crappy yeah. sounds and people swearing at him yeah and then three months later it'll be, it'll be the curved toy screen because they want to make more money <laughs> <laughs> it'll just like trap the band in it's like what's it's going like, on it's like they're in the changing room hey what's these mirrors <laughs> yeah, why, why did we come to see ourselves play <laughs> you know we had also Chris Murillo who uh, said it basically inflames uh, the front man and Anders Fridden He's ridiculed us in Adelaide because um, a lot of time we were spent the gig filming uh, or, or looking through our phones, and he was basically like, "Why are you not enjoying us? You paid so much wow. money. We're not going to be here for a while." So he's acknowledged that there are actually bands out there who share Corey Taylor's um, frustrations. It could be, yeah. And again, but he's another frontman, isn't he? Yeah, Whoa, that's, that's right. Coming back. 
So that's that's kind of pushing it more towards the Corey side, I'd imagine, right? Mm-hmm. But um, I would think that so what we got here is we got another person. Yeah, we have Matt ba- uh, Balagny, and he's basically said that you shouldn't be on your phone, but you're allowed to be. So it's more passive aggressive, I'd yeah, imagine, where it's kind of like and sounds like it. It's it's very nice because he's true in a sense that look. You're here, you should be looking up, but I'm not going to um, go up to you and, you know, make you an orphan for your children and something Mm. like that. It's more a bit more like, you know, dude, come on. Um, uh, with Jess Raffinelli, he's basically said catching a moment when you know, someone crowd surfs anything like that is amazing to look back on and show your friends so mm. not wasting too much time on your phone is fine but being mm. on your phone is a good idea and really we can't skip past the idea of someone generally who needs to look at their phone that's true as well like, there was that poor lady I think who was trying to check up on her relative or something who had cancer and then that was a disturb from it wasn't he kind of called yeah. her out and then to be fair he came back and apologised which was nice but you're right you, you just don't know what they're on Exactly. If, they, if they're like, is this the time where we put our two cents in, man? What do you reckon? Yeah, look, that's that's pretty much all our fans given our reactions. So, after hearing both sides, eloquently put by our fans, mm. Super Mill Bros and Sistos in numbers, what are you going to say, Danny? Are uh, we going to lose them or are we going to keep them for next week? Should I be Switzerland and say uh, chocolate and Swiss watches and knives? <laughs> nah. Now say what you really mean. <laughs> so, I the fuck i got to say about this, all right, man? Now, to me, it's one of those things where it's funny because I come from the Corey point of view where you're like, look, I'm here to entertain you and if you don't, if you don't pay attention to me, I feel like it's considered rude. It's like when you, if you invite someone to coffee and they're on the phone with them having coffee, you're like, well, no, you you came. Look, you might have bought your own coffee, but that doesn't mean you're entitled to like ignore me the whole time and half here. So you know, these guys spend all their time wanting to hear the fans. And look, if you if you're standing that close, because to see you have been the first five or ten aisles because or rows or whatever you want to call it, because the the stage lights and stuff are blind, you really can't see that clearly in the distance. So if you're like right up close and you're on your phone. Look, if you're, if you're only for a minute or two, that's fine, right? Maybe you have sent an important message or phone call. I accept that. But if you're on your phone, you know, for quite a bit of time, we keep going back to it, keep going back to it. You know, you're taking a spot from like a really diehard fan, and I have a feeling like a really diehard fan that close to the stage won't be on their phone. So I, I, I don't, I don't really think, yeah, you should really be on the phone unless you're, you're it's really necessary to have to. I would say that to anyone, and this is going to sound more like a Dino fanboy than anything else, but. If you paid for your money, um, you're allowed to be on your phone. Uh, you can be on your phone as much as you want. And I would say to Corey, maybe there's a reason people are on their phone. Here's the thing. He's had some injury problems, right? He could be struggling live to give that best show. Maybe that frustration's coming out. Because there's one thing to suggest to fans, don't be on your phone. He's gone out and been 1994 Slipknot, where he's basically saying, no, you're not going to be on your phone. I'm going to make sure you're not going to be on your phone. The problem is, obviously, like when we do have potential things where people might have just checked it or whatever, you know, a slight nudge in that's fine. But we're, we're talking like almost assault. We're talking like people like getting hit. Yeah, he, he spent you know, he's, he's, hand, he's, yeah. going, he's getting pretty close to a line which, there shouldn't be he shouldn't be crossing people being on their phones fine again to what the bias is saying your etiquette isn't to the band it's to the fans and the fans are there to see you and if those people don't want to give you the show then that artist needs to make sure the people are paying the money he, they need to be giving it to the fans who are waiting there to get the money because mm. there are a million fans out there who aren't on their phone mm. so my thing to Corey mm. is like don't forget who the people you really are don't make these other ones who are not on there because the fans will deal with them you know the fans are frustrated with them there are, there are plenty of uh, fans and they will make their frustrations be felt with people mm. that are on their phones and stuff so that'll be you know that's not the problem there he just has to be he has to be very careful that he doesn't cross the line where it becomes he, he can't come back from it yeah that's true I think but also I think people are just 
trying to start to hate Corey Taylor as well. So he's becoming that person. But the other point I'll go back to, like with phones, etc. I always find it interesting when people like record the gigs with their phone. It's like, do people actually ever like listen to those recordings again? Because the quality's crap. Like you're not, yeah. you can't. You, all you're picking up is like distortion and crackling. And so, so you're holding up your phone for a whole song. Honestly, do you ever go back to listen? Why would you? You have this probably the song on your phone from the CD recording. That's probably that's the better one you want. I, I don't know. Yeah. So basically, our 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 to summarize what we we're saying to our fans out there, be careful that you're not taking your attention away for other people that have been there and spending their money. You know, it's important that you don't bring your iPhone 18 that covers up you know, half of the plethora of of seeing vision, so you can't see the band and be and be etiquette. You know, show show the respect and and to those bands out there to that uh, you know go name and shame them, do so with caution because yeah. it is it's ultimately you that will fall on your own sword eventually yeah and actually, I know you can say well I bought my ticket I can do what you want but you didn't buy everybody else's ticket and they might not be appreciative of how you're acting so you be considerate yeah and look, and the band needs to look at themselves too it's, it's about being self-aware maybe you're not giving the show that your fans are paid to see and being more like taking it on board as a bit of because if, if it is a lot of people doing it then you need to obviously assess it but if it's not then again give it to the fans who need it and don't become uh, a martyr or a uh, you know fall to your own victimhood I guess oh yeah well that's it look as long as you're enjoying yourself that's probably the main thing when you go to a gig because you're only, only at that gig for that long time and you, you know, make sure you can soak it all in and enjoy it we have to give a massive thank you out to everyone that went on our wall because this is a debate that has not even finished this has just started and this is something that's going to be in the in your time so thank you to Brendan, Daniel, Steve Lehman, Chris Sam Crawford, Ryan Thornton Jess Raffinley and Matt so let's move on to our feature presentation Periphery, love that shizzle and nizzle with mushroom sauce izzle, have released a third album. This album is called Select Difficulty. Now, Periphery have, uh, this is their fourth album from Periphery. They're a progressive metal band now. They never used to be, though. Mm, yeah, they come with the whole, like, was it Gent type thing, you could call it? Yeah, basically what you do with Gent is you steal the best album from a sugar and then rinse, wash, repeat. Oh, okay, yeah, but then put, like, really, like, not great vocals over it as well. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll get to that. <laughs> That's right. But let's jump back to um, what Periphery are and what they aren't right now. Um, they peaked, actually, at number eight, this album, on the Arias. So they are not popular, bad. Bad, yeah. but they aren't Gent anymore. At least they Ooh. aren't fully Gent. And now, here's the thing. We need to set this up for people because they don't know our history with Periphery, Danny. No, not really. So go on, Matt. In 2010, the release of their self-titled album, which was just called Periphery. Perfect. With Roadrunner Records. Yeah. Now, we fell in, me and my friend Matthew fell in love with this band straight away because we it was a fresh take. It was interesting. It was engaging. And it ticked all of our boxes at the time. We saw him play that pretty much at the same time as the release of the album at Fowler's Live with Dillinger Escape Plan. Wow. So, we, and these guys were a humbler than your grandmother's pie sitting on the windowsill in an American house at, you know, five o'clock in the afternoon. On the 4th of July. 4th of July, fireworks, guns, the whole kit caboodle, right? <laughs> now, when we saw them live, they not only came up to us after the show, they made sure that we they signed things for us, they talked to us, all the members. Even when Misha wasn't there, we asked, oh, where's Misha? The fan went backstage, pulled him to us and grabbed him for, so we could talk to him. Yeah, but to be fair, man, I think these guys had hindsight and they knew you'd become to my brother Matt and they were like man we gotta make sure we look after this guy man go Matt yours. so it was very much welcome then we waited a couple of years and saw him at Soundwave uh, and lo and behold the romanticness 
those romantic feelings we had when we first met them, they were so lovely, like that beautiful blonde that you met wearing the summer dress, skipping through the woods, knowing that you love forever, came back and this blonde had needles coming out of her arms. She had domestic <laughs> violence, a kid that she would often like, just hit or push down the trolley, down a flight of stairs. Basically, the band was in a bad state, not because they were that, but because they came into the fame too early. They came out with a bottle of Jack Daniels. Yeah. They were getting drunk and they were... They didn't actually cause it, but we had some fights in the scene. Now, when we saw fights in um, the mosh pit with the other concerts, like Devil Driver, for example, yeah. even one guy doing stupid Street Fighter moves, he would stop the show yeah. and call him out. This fight happened between at least 10 people, but they just seemed to not even care. Yeah, it's a bunch of like young eight-year-old kids thinking they're bigger than they were, and the privilege saw like, yeah. Yeah, and like during the set list, they were too busy, sh- too busy trying to share a bottle of Jack Daniels between all five of them. Yeah, I think they were insulting Ali as well, saying something, uh, something in Ali's on yeah, their something about my mum, and I was like, dude, where the hell do these guys get off? You know? Yeah, man. So unfortunately, all those romantic feelings I had dwindled away. But like a first love, you always wish and hope that they would kind of go back to, you know, those back good old days when you used to eat pie, hold hands, and talk about future forever. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to say high school sweetheart, but we went to like an all boys high school, so that's. <laughs> <laughs> That's more questions than answers, mate. <laughs> yeah, we had some amazingly talented young men there. But we're going to talk about whether our feelings have come back with this album. We're giving him another chance. Can they save themselves? Or can they be their redemption? Or can they be their own annihilation? Ooh, What's the album called again, Matt? So this one's album's called Select Difficulty, okay? Wait, wait, is that medium? No, Select Difficulty. Hard? Damn, do you know what Select Difficulty is? Kyle. Anyone who got that uh, Killer Instinct reference deserves a bottle of champagne. <laughs> or Jack Daniels. Or, <laughs> as Al Pacino said, instead of woman, John Daniels. Don't you mean Jack Daniels? Son, well, you knew him as long as I do. It's John. <laughs> Classic line. So, romantic affiliations aside, let's talk about this album. We're going to head straight into it, Danny. Let's talk the riffs off the album. Did the riffs of Periphery 3, Selective Quiddy, do it for you? Uh, that's a big uh, no, I'm afraid. I shouldn't say big no, but... Money riffs were very hard to come by. I yeah. think apart from, well, let's say, track two, I think it was maybe track 10, you got prayer, position, and yep. track two, which is motor mouth. And yeah, look, a little bit in track three as well. You had, you had some really cool, like, heavy riffs and groove riffs in there, but I, there was nothing really, like, to make me want to, like, put the song from start again so I could hear that riff again. Yeah, here's the thing. They've moved away from that Meshuggah-styled influence to a more ambience full rich soundtrack escape from mm. reality kind of effect which is very far away not from i guess metal uh, it's just it sounds like they've listened to devon townsend on repeat the last couple of years and i've just taken that and just used that for inspiration for this album yeah so instead of having like yeah your chunky riffs like look there's a couple of songs where they do like the classic periphery type gent type hardcore type feels into it but they also most of the album yeah it's just like they want to go for like ambience and Creative feeling, so the, the riffs yeah. aren't really riffs; they're just more like just they're in the backdrop. Yeah. yeah, you've got riffs under it, but most of the time it's about getting to this place of euphoria almost. And in fact, unlike the first album, this is like creating a different tone. Like the periphery one, the from when they started, and even a little bit afterwards, are all about writing cool riffs, setting it up big payoffs, big money moments, you know, and just even catchy stuff like choruses that would be very memorable and songwriting that was generally, it's hard to say safer, but definitely more engaging to normal average listeners, right? This album is almost like they don't even like metal per se anymore, Mm. but they're kind of doing that metal stuff for their old fans, but they want to do this more and the fans are going to like it or they're not and... 
Yeah, it could be like a good trans- for periphery. Yeah, true. It could be like a transition album. Like you know, they just they might end up going full like just dream theater like next album because it's kind of yeah. like yeah, they're, they're, it's just saying that just there's no real chunky riffs. It's I mean they they still have like cool like blast beats and like double kicks and stuff and it help like sell some of the vocals, sell some of the choruses, and you know give you some bit of meat and girth to the songs. But nothing like where you really like freaking yeah, let's go like yeah. smash it around a bit, you know? Yeah, you've got like obviously the first track is just pure chaos, kind of like the old kind of periphery. Then you got Motor Mouth, which is really like the closest thing to a throwback. It even comes with the Obzen riff halfway through the song. So you, it's a little bit more in the familiar. But then it takes like six tracks to get into a genuinely heavy experience. That's really unusual for these guys who would normally bring a heavy experience to mostly any track. No, you're right. It's just a, yes, it's a very, very unique album. It's more, maybe they're more mature. Maybe they, they, they feel like they've done all they can with the heavy stuff. Oh, who knows? Yeah, know? they've even got like metalcore influences, like yeah. stuff like Habitual Line Stepper and even Flatline. They're almost like riffs inspired yeah. from God Forbid, which to their credit isn't necessarily a bad thing. But it's definitely a, a very far step away from that, obviously, Meshuggah inspired riffs that are just very angry, very tonal, just, you know, chaos. Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, that's that's pretty much what they've come kind of done. But, it's different. But they're not a riff band anymore. No, I wouldn't think so. Well, not, not on this album, no. Nah, the, this album now is going to be held up or crushed by the weight of the experience, okay? Mm. The experience of what you as a listener can enjoy it. And we will get to that in the production, so stick around to hear our final thoughts on this with it all together. But let's move on to vocals. Yeah, I mean, vocals, look, to be fair, this guy has, again, he's another one of those things he has, both tools he's got the grouse and screams and also the melodic singing and his melodic singing he does have great control of his voice he does like the intervals quite well and he has he has very high range you know i i i i, I can't knock him for that so his his melodic singing is there it's just unfortunately for me his tone isn't that strong here again like we go back to the guy at the start of the thing where he, a lot of these bands has a unique weak tone and unfortunately it does more of that whining oh, and it, it makes it honestly hard to listen to actually at times because that Tone. Yeah, his approach is a little bit like we covered last week. You got your three camps. You got the singers everyone loves, the singer that people either love or hate, and then you got the ones you need a very fine ear for. And for me, this guy is like what uh, our friend from the previous band, sorry, the guy that we mentioned before. Sabaton. Uh, yeah, very much yeah. like the Sabaton guy, where it's like you're gonna love it or hate it. Uh, and for me, like you, Dean was saying, after a while, it becomes very much. A tolerance issue for me but not because his tonality but because some of his lines that he would sing to I don't know if he's getting directions from Misha to do it but they're not as memorable and as engaging as previous outings because the song structures would lead towards him singing a big memorable chorus or big memorable lines that were very catchy it's all about singing to enhance your immersion experience to what is supposed to be this oral roller coaster ride you know it's and that's the problem. I keep leaving the album trying to think about a, 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 a certain chorus or a certain lick that sings yeah. through my head, and I just keep forgetting it. Yeah, it's a bit of a shame because you, you, they're, they're trying to build up to those like memorable and epic choruses, kind of like what Volbeat and even Sabaton did well, where they'll use you know the drums and guitars to like do really heavy pre-choruses, so they can they can break into a more like, melodic and uplifting chorus and sometimes they'll use the chanting in the choirs to give you that other feel and ambience to the vocals but it doesn't yeah you're right just the, i don't know maybe again for me it's a tone thing and that's why it's hard to sell it like 
Yeah. When, when you want when you want like epic choruses, you need a very strong and powerful tone. That when you hear, it, you're like, oh man, I'll, I'll go into battle for you. Like, yeah. you know. So maybe maybe that's part of it. I don't know. Might not be any fault of his own, but yeah. it's kind of like seeing that guy in X Factor. He kind of sings out and bellows this falsetto, and they might be talented and stuff, but there's just something about it which lacks a little bit. And it, and it's just the way it is, you know. And I think people can hear that off any track off this album. You're gonna know what you're gonna expect in every song. And it's just, even the way the guitars are written, so the vocals and guitars, I guess they work together that way, I guess. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And you, they use like, it's actually funny because one of the songs, they, they use like a blast beat backing for the chorus, like full blast beat, but they actually melodic sing over the top. And yeah. it's actually quite different. I, I, I think it was like track four, saying track five. And that was actually quite different. I thought that was nice. Yeah, it's not new to the progressive sense though. We've seen guys, like obviously Devin Townsend kind of use these techniques before. It's a very unusual technique and it kind of works. The swearing in clean vocals for me uh, never works. Yeah, it's terrible. And he's done that in I think the fourth track and it's just, it's always immersion breaking for me. It's like, it's kind of like that quick like finger in a ballad. It's like, uh, um, yeah. yeah <laughs> and... Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just go, oh, I, I just get trolled. Like it's a triggering experience for me. I feel like a Tumblr blogger every time I, I, I hear that song. Yeah, it's perfect. and they also do other things. Like they do a bit of like, you dare say, spoken word, a bit of a rap phrasing. Oh it. yeah, so, let's talk about. So let's move on to diversity, uh, the third yeah. installment of our reviewing. With diversity, this album is definitely it stars everything. Almost in tracks, they do the whole entire album and, and yeah. do it in one track. Some of those songs, like I mean, they got about three or four songs over six minutes, some sort of seven minute songs. Yeah. So they definitely go through the whole um, progressive uh, feel to their songs. Oh, this album, like tracks, just go through the movements to incredibly kind of heavy. Oh, I couldn't say incredibly heavy actually. To a heavy, mm. a heavy tone, heaviest yeah. tone. To a incredibly like a violin uh, string yeah, section, string sections, yeah. Or uh, like this, the the touch on that drum and bassy kind of electronic uh, influence in some of the songs. So it's almost bipolar. It could be charming, I guess, for for a lot of people too. You know, to hear all these elements combined. Is it too much, Danny, or is it pretty much balanced? Well, again, I don't know. Maybe like we were expecting a different type of album, so when we heard this one, it was a bit different. Because like, look, to be fair, they they try to create, they use the diversity with the song structure to create that feel in the ambience. Like, so you start with like a slow acoustic intro, mm. then progressively builds up to like a heavier, groovy pre-chorus, like saying to a chorus, and then the middle breaks down again to like a bit of a, like a white, noisy string choir feel, then back to like the heavy chorus, and then it fades out to like just again white noise type thing so they, the songs like do take you on a journey and then but it's like yeah they do it it's well. kind of like you know people who have developed such a taste for wine tasting right and they can just sense when a great wine has all these elements together but when you taste it, it's like crushed grapes do you i think it just tastes like crushed grapes yeah but when they do it, they're like, oh, no, it's got that rich aroma, you know, of hazelnuts, blueberries, and, like, being blown in the face by a porn star. And I'm like, I don't <laughs> get any of that with this. I wish I did. That'd be cool. But, um, you know, and so it it's like that eclectic taste is needed mm. for this album to really appreciate it. Because there is so much diversity on the album. But if you're looking for all the technicality and all those shredding ideas and that, I don't think you're listening to the album properly. Because this album is designed to be heard as an experience. Yeah. So you don't want to be like smashing your head and getting into a pit or whatever. I think this album is best to put on when the day's a little bit rainy. You're a little bit sad that you can't go out and see your loved ones. You know, your, your, your poor granny's got dementia and she keeps forgetting your name. But she remembers the postman's name from when she was 13. So that makes you more depressed. So you listen to the album. 
Yeah, that could be a way of looking at it, man. It, 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 def- it definitely is a feel album. Like, look, the verse is there in the sense that they have the hard, like, songs, like, again, track ones, two, and three, and even uh, ten there. They they get the heavy song six. Like, they go for the heavier songs, yeah, with, like, the groovy factors and the breakdown riffs and syncopation and all that. So that's there. But then again, most of the album is more of the um soft, melodic, time, tell a story, time, creative feel. And, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, so they, it's there. The verse is there. It's just, um, I think it was, like, great <laughs> yeah again the diversity is all about the immersion experience and for you the experience will be exactly what you need or you're just going to be like move out of its way and just go to something else so we need to go into the groove now and, and tell the listeners what this album makes you feel like um unlike any album we reviewed this year this album definitely put me in a different place than anything else we listen to in metal which is or for better or worse uh an experience well, that's, that's true. Or oh, everything is an experience. Even if you're, you're brain dead, it's still an experience, isn't it? <laughs> Taking that dump is really important. Well, yeah, it would just be true. So. It, it can be a great experience, but if you're on the toilet for too long, it becomes a bad experience again. Yeah, that's right. But we, they, they don't deserve us to talk about toilet breaks all the time. So we'll go we'll go back to the, the, the CDs. And, um, groove, look, yeah, Groove is... There's only in a couple of songs you have that again that classic groovy feel to it with a song like the whole gent type um, feel to it. But most, yeah, groove is not there. It's more so again the whole like say we keep saying feel. It just they they, they try to create emotion with the songs and maybe the motion with the white with the the, the, the tone of the singing is sadness. I guess oh, it sounds. Yeah, maybe that's that's uh, trying to do. No, I think maybe he can. I don't think he gets me sad though. He's always very much like the point of things are always looking up. Like even when the is going sad, he's gonna push you up. Even that anger always comes to a chorus, which is incredibly happy and catching. That's always about bringing you back to that mm. place, even when it's tense and that. It's almost like. Like I was saying before, it's about getting to this destination of purity. It almost feels like to me that they've actually gone three ways now. They've gone from being that band who's worked hard to make everything work for them to their second transition, which was enjoying that fame so much that they bought Coke and hookers and lived yeah. and then you know ended up vomiting in, in their in their mother's uh, drain in, you know, in front of you know, Grandma Diddy and her new dog, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And uh, now thirdly, they've actually become enlightened. They've become this Zen uh, phobia experience wow. now where now they've, ex- they've experienced enlightenment, right? Mm. And they're sharing all those journey through this album. Problem is, I don't like it because yeah. it's like, well, you've made it. You've gotten to be in a place where you're happy in that now, but they've forgotten for me what made them good in the first place. So instead of calling it Periphery 3, they should call it Periphery 2000 Space Odyssey. <laughs> become the, was it the existential version of man, the new beginning of man, the new beginning of... Uh, periphery Greenpeace or yeah. Periphery Give Peace a Chance is kind of like... <laughs> what, what I, that's what the album is for me. Yeah, no, it is. It actually, look, I don't think... They look if you want if you want that actually the Go Jira album we did a couple of weeks ago does it a lot better. So yeah. If, yes. Yeah. Look, I, I think I don't know. Should we move on to the production, Matt? And um. Yeah, and because this bad boy. Off? Th- this basically we are just teeing it up right now, and we need to send this bad boy home. So with production, look, this is the cleanest and the crispest I've heard this band play. They're doing a lot all the time, and you can hear pretty much everything going on, and nothing seems to get lost. You know. Maybe sometimes things get pushed back further and uh, gives other things the time to shine. Like the vocals are always over the top of everything, which is perfect. But yeah, the ri- it's a riffs, um, the more like lines coming from the guitars, strings. It's all there. Yeah, I, I mean they, they layer vocals when they need to. They um, mix the vocals like the growling, melodicing over each other, which helps it out. Um, look, the production again. The songs do tell stories. They do make you feel. So they'll they'll use like again the white noise, the choir, the strings to like give 
the songs that emotion they're trying to get across a bit of feeling so yeah i mean production they there is a lot happening with production and all the songs again like seven and a half minute songs they're you know you can't set them on just instruments alone so they've they've done they've done a bit to help create that tone to them i mean look some of those songs it takes like a minute to get into a song and two and a half minutes is just like fading out pretty much so yeah that's a bit that's a bit silly and to be fair, the last half of the album, it's there's too many of those slow songs back to back. It's just oh. like, ugh, you don't need to break it up. Like they they try to break it up with track ten, but uh oh, track eight and nine just bleed into each other, you know. So basically, like I was saying to summarize, they really have made it. And I think for fans who have kind of followed them right from the beginning to this point in their time, they might actually see it as a victory or a coming to because and here's the thing that I'm gonna summarize with to put it all together. I was talking to my friend Matthew the other day, who's a massive periphery fan, and I told him how frustrated I was to see these guys fall off the horse. You know, they were always going to be successful, and they were doing quite well playing at Soundwave and stuff like that. But um, he told me that, yeah, the band knew they stuffed up when they did that tour at Soundwave. They knew they let the fame and the fortune get to their head. So for me, in a sense, for periphery, this is an album that I think that they wanted to write. And that they felt that they felt complete as musicians and artists to write a combination of all the styles of music that they really loved and a peace and happy and full nature. Unfortunately for the Super Metal Brothers, we want to hear good songs and songs that make stick with us until our dying days as retired war veterans when we're forgetting our kids' names. But we'll always remember the songs that we fell in love with as our wishful youth. Yeah. Maybe, maybe take out that War Veterans Park. Cause oh, yeah, I'm into war yet. All right, so I need to yeah, go to war. Huh? Not just that. I just know I won't come back for go to war. So Yeah, unfortunately, uh, look, I'm glad to see Periphery doing well. And this is, album shows to me that they are in a good place. Mm. Okay? Sure. Um, it's a little bit like that love I was saying at the start, you know. I fell in love with her. Um, then she got addicted to smack and addicted to, you know, seeing guys for sexual favors in car parks that probably were illegal, but nevertheless, you know, it fueled her addiction too now. She's settled down. She's got kids. She's found a new husband in her life, and I'm happy that she's happy, but yeah. I'm glad that I've moved on from her. Wow, that that, that is very deep and moving, man. <laughs> I, I, think, I think you would, like... Too much emphasis on the CD, man. The, you know, here's the thing. The CD actually made me feel all that. So if the the, hey. the mission statement was the CD is for Super Metal Brother Matt to have an enlightened thing to make sure that he needs to know that we felt well because I was so disenfranchised with their franchise. Um, they did exactly what they needed to and I'm glad I bought the album. However, if they did it because they thought I was going to like the album with all these cool tracks and that, nah, sorry, mate. See you next year. <laughs> <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> I'm glad you're with Tony because he's a dick and, <laughs> and he has a terrible job and he's still seeing Tiffany behind your back. So whatever. Oh, old shit. I mean, the, the first part was sweet, man. Then you kind of got passive aggressive again or just, just aggressive. So, uh, look, yeah. at the end of the day, you know, periphery, their fans are going to be their fans. They're going to follow them to the death. Yeah. And uh, they are stretching their wings and becoming more matured in their sound. That's true. But for everyone else out there, get the latest Gojira album. Yeah, yeah. And if you really want to hear what a good periphery sounds like, maybe just go for the first couple of albums because for me, that is that is it. that is what Gent can sound like with all those cool sections, but emphasize and catchy and just songs that will leave with you and stick around with you for a while. Yeah, cool, man. So that's been the Super Metal Brothers of this week, Danny. That was probably not our funniest show. Nah, it probably was, man, because, you know, the Periphery album was sensitive uh-huh. and it was poignant. And yeah. that's reflected upon us and our not liking of it. Yeah, I wish we could go back to reviewing Nails every week because we had a lot more for that. <laughs> Number one thing, longer than a new Nails album. <laughs> this review. <laughs> 
actually talking about uh, us, because we like talking about us, that we have a big interview coming up, which will be released this week. We're going to talk to the guys from Danny I Icarus, an LA band, Matthew. Seamus and Kaz were delightful enough to actually spare us some time. These guys have been amazingly busy. You know, they've come up, they've got an album, uh, sorry, a single out called Perplexity, which will be coming off their album, which they would not disclose to us. Yeah, and... Look, the, the, these kids are actually kids you can like. A lot of millennials these days, you just don't want to talk to. But these kids were actually got their head screwed on, and that was actually a really good interview. Good, it was good talking to them. Honestly, if Confucius could say anything, he can't because he's dead now. But if he could, he would say, I, Chris, know their shizzle manizzle with gravy easel. Yeah, no, that's exactly what he said. He actually said that back in, like, what was it, the 18 BC? When he uh, said right, exactly right after that. he said, go to bed with a smelly bum, wake up with an itchy finger. Wait, yeah. it was the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know things. <laughs> he, he got dyslexia in his old years. I think it was Yoda. I think I think they based him on Yoda. Yeah. Too much fingers and bums for him. That was his problem. Ah, uh, yeah. So you you lose it after that. That's how it gets you, man. That's how the the, the brain goes a wandering. Oh, well, that's uh, it's been quite a show. We've uh, we stretched out almost to our longest episode yet. So that would make it a little bit more, I guess, longer than a Dream Theater album, but not as long as a Sunno album. No, no, I was thinking like not as um, conceited and contrived as a as Dream Theater album. Oh, <laughs> but by us talking, I think we're making it more conceited, man. So maybe we should kind of end it. <laughs> yeah, we are a Dream Theater band. <laughs> All right, guys, that was great. All right, so well, guys, we'll catch you next week. Make sure you listen to our interview with the guys from iChris. But until then, I'm Super Metal Brother Matt. And I'm Super Metal Brother Dan. We've been the Super Metal Brothers. Thank you so much for listening, and we're going to catch you next week.